Okay, if we're going to recreate this old pic of us that mom posted, we've got to get the outfits right. Well, for some reason, I can't find gauchos with a matching shrug anywhere. Let me try on my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. I just use the S Pen to circle the outfit in the post, and bam, five sites to buy it from right here. Shut up! How did you... You shut it. Mom's coming. Cute outfit. Get me one. (laughs) (laughs) Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Upgrade now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner. Welcome to The Sex Wrap. Hey everybody, and welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You're here today with Andrew, and there's no spring. We're almost to spring, right? I think spring starts in mid-March. But today, instead, I invited back one of my best friends in the whole world. She's appeared as a star on the show previously. The amazing Dr. Ashley Falcon is here. How are you today, Ashley? I am doing excellent. How are you doing? I mean, it's a Monday, um, not a normal day for me to be recording. And there's a lot going on. There's no spring break for me this year. And stuff is mounting and things are piling up. I'm great. I'm really great. And I'm really excited to be here um, with you as well. Uh, so Spring isn't here. Um, she's off and we had some issues with recording equipment. Um, but the other reason Spring isn't here is uh, we're going to be talking to Ashley, who's in a very special condition. Um, we've had a ton of questions come in over the last five years about pregnancy. And most of the time, you listeners are interested in like, how do I not get pregnant? And how do I prevent a pregnancy? Or if there's a pregnancy, what do I do about it if I don't want to continue the pregnancy? So that's what we talk about most of the time. And Spring and I are pretty much sexperts in those areas. That's like our entire background. Um, but something else, uh, because Spring and I are constantly talking about te- sex and teaching about sex, we have people coming and telling us their stories. And we've gotten a lot of stories from our pregnant friends before. And um, something Spring and I both noticed is that like, their stories do not map on at all to the way the media and um, you know parents and grandparents make pregnancy sort of out to be this like magical, wonderful experience. It seems to be something completely else. Um, so uh, today we are going to be answering a whole bunch of listener submitted questions and a few of my own um, about what is pregnancy actually like. So are you ready? I'm ready when you are. Yep. All right. So overall, uh, like this is sort of the umbrella question for the whole episode. So overall, how does actual pregnancy compare to the expectations that you had beforehand? Good question. Okay, so expectations were probably shaped by like what I've seen on TV or in movies. And so I would say that uh, 
it's nothing like that. <laughs> I think that uh, like the big thing that I thought of was like, ooh, well, you know, I, you know, I'm a foodie. I love food. So I was thinking like, I'm going to get to like eat for two, <laughs> looking forward to that. And I'm going to have like weird like pickles and ice cream cravings. And, and it's going to be wonderful because I'm going to just get to gonna kind of let myself loose, let myself go a little bit as I grow this, this child inside me. But uh, it has not been like that in the least, <laughs> at all, at all, at all. So uh, that was a, a quick, a, a big shocker for me, I'll say. So food was no longer your best friend and you didn't get some of those weird cravings. I mean, I think that's a really funny expectation that people have. I mean, I could talk about, you know, sometimes when I'm teaching, we talk about pregnancy and how like healthy weight gain for most people is in like the 20-ish range pounds, 20 to 25 pounds. Um, and it's really common, especially for women in the United States to gain like 30, 40, 50 pounds. At that point, it's harmful for you and a baby. But it sounds like um, even with your love of food, there was no gaining of 40 or 50 pounds. No, not at all. Like I early on could not even, I mean, nothing. N couldn't eat anything. And that, did that continue through the whole pregnancy? Uh, so, so pretty much, you know, when I started off first trimester was very much like, you know, shaped by my experience with nausea and just like food aversions, like smells. My, I don't know if my, my sense of smell was heightened, but uh, just any smell of anything really kind of just turned me off to the point where I just didn't even want to eat. I dropped probably about 10, 12 pounds, right? Uh, which is hard for me because I could... Pregnancy diet plan. Yeah, I could think about all the foods I'd love to eat, but there was like no connection with like yeah, that sounds really good. It was more just like, oh, oh, I can't, I can't, I absolutely can't. So I lost a ton of weight and uh, I didn't phase out of the nausea till probably mid second trimester. Wow. But I hear it could very well revisit me in these last coming weeks in the third trimester. So not looking forward to that. I mean, we didn't even tell people how far along you are, right? Like you are almost to the finish line. How, how long am. do you have left? I have four weeks. If she comes when expected, I have four weeks to go. Four weeks. Wow. All right. So uh, so it did not map onto your expectations. And then it sounds like uh, the media had told you that this one thing was going to be great. Uh, and it wasn't. All right. Um, so other than the food thing, how else is has the process been different from media portrayals? I think overall, you know, I definitely, you know, it's like you always hear about like, oh, you're going to be glowing. You're going to be like so, you know, into this experience growing this like it's this magical experience. And I don't want to take that away. You know, I, I definitely feel like it's a special time. But uh, glowing is not a word that I would use to describe pregnancy, at least not mine. I know that my experience is unique to others. There might be some overlap, but everyone's experience is their own. But uh, so that has not been uh, my experience. It's been pretty tough with just the, the dealing with the, the, the nausea. Now it's turned into more of a... a daily ex heartburn experience, um, fatigue all the time, you know, just, you know, mentally knowing that, you know, or thinking that you could do all the things that you would be able to do. And then, you know, getting laughed at by your partner, because, you know, just trying to turn to the side in bed, it <laughs> seems to be like a task. Right? So, so those things make it quite interesting. I mean, and I think it's really important. Um, like today, we're just talking with one person about their experiences with pregnancy. Um, but 
I've talked to a lot of people about pregnancy and all the stuff that Ashley's talking about so far maps pretty much onto it. I've never met a single person who had that movie perfect. I'm glowing. I feel great. I have all of this energy. I want to conquer the world. I'm going to repaint the nursery on my own. Like never met that person yet. So if you're that person, you know, send us a question or, or, or send us a DM on Instagram. I'd love to talk with you about your experiences. Maybe eventually we'll have an episode like the positive no. All right. Uh, so, um, so it's, it's been different the whole time. You didn't have that glow. You had nausea. Now you have heart, heartburn. I feel so bad for you. Um, I feel bad for people who are pregnant. Uh, but let's jump back to the beginning of your pregnancy, right? Um, what were your very first symptoms? Um, let's see. Very first symptoms. Or, um, or why don't we take one step back from that? Like, mm-hmm. how did you find out you were pregnant? What did you know? Like, what was the tell or the sign? So, so for me, you know, I, I, I was paying attention. So, uh, you know, missing, missing a period, you know, pretty, pretty on schedule. So when that started to, to kind of pop up on my radar, you know, taking a pregnancy test to, to, to figure out what was truly going on kind of, uh, led me down that path. So that was that was my my entree into this experience. Yeah. And I mean, I think for a lot of women, if they're paying attention to their cycles, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, like, if you're more than a few days late, most of the time, like, usually there's something going on, especially if there's no major other stressor happening, right? So you, you missed your period, you took a pregnancy test. Um, I hate all those commercials with pregnancy tests, like you need a digital one that blinks pregnant or not pregnant, or they pretend that they're hard to read. Um, so for those of you who don't know, with pregnancy tests, uh, most of the time, two lines pop up. And if you see even the faintest second line, you're pregnant, right? Pregnancy tests have false negatives. They don't have false positives. So you don't need to buy a whole bunch. The other thing about pregnancy tests is that you can go to the dollar store and get a dollar pregnancy test that is exactly like the $29 one. Unless that, wait, what company makes the expensive ones? If you're listening and you want a sponsor, I could like <laughs> pitch spending 30 times as much Um yeah. Okay. So pregnancy test. Um, so your first sign was that you missed your period. Um, what were your first symptoms at the very beginning? Um, in the very beginning, I would say, yeah, it's, it's the food, the food thing, just, you know, not smelling things. And all of a sudden, like things that you always loved, had no issue eating, just not being able to even like be in the room when that food was present. That was pretty much the, the beginning, which started pretty, pretty early for me. Right. That was, and that was, that's been, like I said, being a lover of food, that's been the hardest thing for me. I mean, I, I can't imagine how crazy that must be. I love when I'm like walking home and I smell like, you know, food being cooked and you know, super spicy, flavorful things and having to give all that up. Oh. All right. So you had the food thing at the beginning. How have your symptoms of pregnancy changed over the last eight months? So, yeah, they just kind of like add on. You know, I also you know follow a couple of apps that kind of give me some insights as to what I, I can expect. Uh, and sometimes it's true for me, sometimes it's not. But, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, um, just basically transitioning into, you know, the, the heartburn, um, feeling tired all the time. Like I, I was always concerned initially that uh, if I took a daytime nap, that that might interfere with my sleeping at night, but clearly not. <laughs> I have no problem getting countless hours of sleep. And uh, people always tell me that uh, do it now while you can. Um, but um, beyond that, you know, different things, you know, you random aches and pains, 
the baby moving and kicking you in places that are not comfortable, kind of like plucking at my organs or stepping on my bladder, <laughs> all those fun things uh, that kind of, you know, don't make the experience a lovely one. You know, I haven't uh, had as bad of experiences like you hear some people have carpal tunnel syndrome or, or bad swelling. You know, I haven't uh, I've been fortunate enough to not have those, but uh, say overall, it's just not been a, my, I would say my status quo, my my day-to-day 24-7 feelings, like a meh at best. <laughs> meh. Boy. Uh, I have a really good friend, Jen, and uh, her pregnancy, she had uh, nausea and vomiting the entire nine months to the point where they, she had to get on like anti-cancer or cancer drugs to prevent her from throwing up. It was really crazy watching that. And that's one of the things that really keyed me in. Like I had other friends who had kids, but I was really close with Jen and we were working together the whole time and watching her process like really helped me see how different her experience was from what uh, I was sold on television and movies, et cetera. All right. Uh, so when could you first see your baby bump? I see so much on social media and Instagram, people like constantly doing baby bump posts and talking about it. Um, when could you first see yours? Because you were talking about how you were losing weight at the beginning. True. Yeah, I didn't really, I would say like, I, I mean, and I, I took a couple, you know, I was trying to be good about like chronicling the experience initially and taking like a picture a week. But uh, once I started feeling kind of not so wonderful, I kind of lost motivation and lost a few weeks in, in between. So I would say I probably didn't see a substantial or noticeable bump um, probably until like towards the, you know, beginning to, you know, you know, a third of the way into my, my second trimester, but something that I could easily hide in clothing. So, you know, I've been, I don't know if you want to call that fortunate or not, I guess, you know, it just comes with the territory of not, you know, having the the eating issues, but uh, I was able to kind of keep it under wraps for, for a while until, you know, they always talk about, you know, when, you know, miscarriages and things like that are a risk and, and whether you feel comfortable like telling other people. And, you know, kind of, I was kind of like superstitious about it, wanting to like keep it a secret until I felt confident that, you know, everything was okay. And so, so not being able to see it at first uh, was, uh, I guess, good for us and the decision we were making to kind of hold back before telling people. And uh, most of the time it's recommended that you don't tell people up until about 12 weeks or three months, right? Is that, that, that's the point where the mm-hmm. people say, you know, if you've made it this long, you're probably going to continue out the pregnancy. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah. that's right. So your first trimester, uh, did, doesn't sound great. Uh, you couldn't eat the foods that you liked and you had some nausea when you moved into your second trimester. Um, that, you mentioned the glow earlier. Uh, you know, if you pop onto Cosmopolitan or Vogue and be like, oh, what it's like to be pregnant, that, that's where they say, like, you know, you have high energy and you feel great. What was your second trimester like? It was it was definitely not that. It took me probably until about, if I had to say, I'd say I, I was at my lowest weight, kind of like mid-second trimester. So the nausea didn't really stop until, <laughs> until a while into the, the second trimester. And then, you know, obviously... It was nice for that to be gone, but it just gets replaced by other things that kind of, you know, make you feel this way or that way. But uh, I would say, yeah, not uh, ecstatic to not be nauseous anymore. I mean, even just little things like brushing my teeth, you know, if I I could make myself accidentally throw up if I brushed my teeth too too vigorously or (laughs) but uh, that went away. Um, and was replaced by other symptoms, but not a glow, <laughs> not a glow, not a glow other. I mean, it's kind of funny that we're talking about pregnancy in terms of symptoms. Um, and all of these symptoms make someone feel, you know, a little out of sorts. Uh, 
So for those of you who don't know, um, pregnancy lasts about nine months for humans. Um, and uh, it's broken into three three-month periods. And there are, for many women, there are slightly different sort of symptoms that happen across those different trimesters. So when we're saying second trimester, we're saying like months four through six overall of the pregnancy. Um, and month, month one starts with the date of your last period. So the whole math of pregnancy is a little funky. Um, but we're, we're talking about that second. All right. So second trimester, you got rid of your nausea, but you got some other symptoms. Um, some of the things that some of my other friends have talked about is like uh, if there were more than 10 or 15 feet from a bathroom, they'd instantly have to go to the bathroom again, like a constant struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. That definitely is a big one. You know, upping the frequency of times you get up each night to, to have to go to the bathroom. Absolutely. My husband likes to joke and say that I am his rock, but that's not like like emotional support. It was like a, because I didn't get off the couch very much. Right? So that was was another thing. Just not having the energy to, to do a lot of things or if I did kind of, you know, tackle a task, I just all of a sudden, you know, would get really tired afterward and need to take a break. You know, I definitely pulled back from uh, – from cooking and other things that I would typically enjoy doing. So uh, I really was relying on him to kind of step up his game. And uh, he makes a wonderful breakfast and he makes a wonderful mac and cheese now that he never had before. <laughs> ah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting looking at partners and the changes that the people around us make in their lives as well. It's one of those things where like you can sort of tell like if you're pregnant and you're struggling and your partner like picks up slack and is helpful and, you know, adjusts like, that's a good one. If your partner refuses to pick up any slack and then, you know, question what's going on there. But that's a whole different episode. Um, but we need to take mm -hmm. a short break. So we will be right back uh, to talk a little bit more about what is pregnancy actually like. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Today, we are starring Ashley Falcon, who agreed to talk about pregnancy. I am really thankful. Um, I think women face a lot of pressure overall to keep the like, idealized sort of view of pregnancy in the forefront. Women who are honest about like, oh, it was kind of icky, uh, often can get a lot of flack. So thank you for being brave and sharing uh, some of your experiences today, uh, Ashley. Um, so I have a couple of other questions. Um, so you know, now you're in your third trimester. So we talked about the first trimester, uh, second, 
How is the third trimester different from the first six months? I would say similar symptoms, but uh, now, of course, you've got this big belly that you're trying to navigate the world with. So my my balance is a little off from time to time. I, I accidentally bump into things unintentionally, and I don't move as gracefully as I once did. <laughs> so I'd say those are, are big parts of it. Um, also, you know, you've got someone that uh, is kicking you from the inside on occasion, you know, I've got certain set times of the day where she tends to be more active, which I love. I do because I, I love to kind of know that she's doing all right in there, but to also kind of are trying sometimes. And as she grows bigger, you know, it used to be, you know, she would kind of, kind of push me and like cramp up my ribs. And sometimes it would be my bladder. And now she's big enough to do both at the same time. <laughs> I mean, if we look at uh, fetal growth and development, like the first five months, there's not really much happening. And then you hit this point where like half a pound a week. I mean, it's just crazy how fast uh, they grow, especially in the third trimester. They go from being like a little potato to a whole baby <laughs> in really like the last couple of months. Yeah. All right. So uh, just thinking back over the last eight months, what surprised you most about your pregnancy. What was the most surprising thing for you? So, other than the, um, the symptoms and not feeling that glow, uh, and I and I say that also because my expectations were, I guess, a little bit, um, uh, you know, based on my mother's experience with pregnancy. Uh, her pregnancies were were much easier than mine has been. So I was hoping that that kind of passed down, but it didn't. Um, but other than that, I would say surprising is just. Kind of just seeing seeing this surreal experience of your body changing and and you know something growing inside of you and being able to kind of you know uh, feel that that life force if you will. So I think it's just every time I catch my my reflection in a in you know glass or I see myself in the mirror, I keep on thinking like, wow, this is that's you. This is really happening, and it's it's a I think it's a surprise that never goes away. It's not like something that uh, you get used to. It's just kind of this this odd, interesting, incredible experience that uh, that you know that you just I don't know. It just doesn't connect. It's it, until she pops out. You know, I know she's in there, and I and I chat with her every now and again, but uh, until I see her, it's kind of this just weird like, wow, this is really happening. I mean, it, it's it, no matter how we look at it, it is a crazy life changing experience where like your body is completely taken over by this other entity. And once you're in it, like you're in it and there's no escape from it. And it, it is like so crazy and fascinating and cool, um, like watching that process unfold. Um, I do have a couple questions. Um, so all of the other questions so far have been from listeners. I have a couple questions that I think are important um, that I want to throw in here before we finish out. Um, what kind of prep have you been doing for uh, your whole birth and birth plan? Because it's something that a lot of the time people don't talk with pregnant women about. Like, you know, like there are plans that need to be in place for birth. So like, what are, what are your thoughts there? So I think that this definitely depends on how you are as a person. I've definitely chatted with people that would feel overwhelmed by getting too much information. I am definitely the opposite. I want to know anything and everything I possibly can know ahead of time uh, so that I don't feel stressed out and I know what to what to not freak out about and what to freak out about. Uh, and um, so I have done a whole lot of reading. Um, I, I feel like I don't get a whole lot of information from my, my healthcare providers 
um, which is unfortunate, but at the same time, I know they're busy and, you know, uh, they would answer if I asked them, but sometimes, you know, I can't pepper them with too many questions. But uh, so, yeah, I've read a ton of books about uh, things to know. Um, I can name them if you want, but I don't want to I don't want to do that unless I, that's a good idea. But uh, aside from that, I've also had the good fortune um, through insurance to have access to a 24 uh, seven service. Uh, that provides me a care advocate that connects me to resources. So, you know, it's it's a smartphone app that uh, has a lot of interesting articles and things that it kind of prompts me to make sure I'm asking or taking care of. Um, but I can also set up an appointment whenever I want with uh, an obstetrician, uh, with a lactation consultant, with a nutritionist, with you know, a doula, a midwife, you know, career counseling, you know, any of these experts and uh, professionals that would be helpful in various facets of the experience. And they've also, you know, been great as far as offering virtual classes. Obviously, with COVID, we're limited in what we can do uh, as far as venturing out uh, and being safe and that and whatnot. So um, classes on you know, childbirth, one you know, childcare 101, breastfeeding, postpartum care, uh, infant CPR and first aid. So I've kind of done them all, collected that information, made my notes, and I have, you know, I'm, I'm a big dork, so I have a big binder, kind of like my cheat sheet of things to reference, because Lord knows that once I get tired and sleep deprived, I'll probably forget everything I read. So I've got my little cheat sheets with me that will kind of give me guidance and, and comfort and support as I kind of embark on this adventure. So uh, you you have done your due diligence and you are ready for birth. And and, and it sounded like you have some postpartum um, plans as well. Uh, and that's my other question. I know overwhelmingly uh, that women are able to get support from friends and family and workplaces uh, and online resources for like preparing for birth. But something that's really missing for a lot of women is that whole postpartum phase. Um, we talk about postpartum uh, depression that a lot of women face. And some of that comes from the lack of support. Like, you know, you made the baby, you got it out. Um, but that's not like, and it, for all of our listeners, that's not when your support needs to end. That's actually when a lot of uh, people uh, who have kids need additional and extra support. Um, so do you have any other postpartum uh, prep? I love the idea of your binder. I might ask you to like, steal a copy of it so I could hand it out to other people like, hey, by the way, here are a whole bunch of resources <laughs> that are available. I also think it's really important. We haven't talked about it on the show. Um, breastfeeding is actually really difficult for a lot of women. A lot of human babies will not breastfeed unless you sort of like, teach them and force them how to do it. So like the very basic function of eating is difficult. And they don't tell people about like, you know, blisters and ulcers and cuts and sores on nipples and how it can be a really traumatic experience over every part of pregnancy. I think that we've done a real disservice to women and not been really honest about what it it's going to look like what it's going to feel like what's going to happen during like during the pregnancy or during the birthing process like they don't tell women that there's likely to be urine and poop and all kinds of smells and um they, they make it seem like it's screaming pain and 10 minutes later a baby comes out but most of the time labor and delivery is a process that goes anywhere from a few hours to a whole day 40 hours can happen um so, I mean, I'm really grateful that you're here kind of helping us understand. We would have to do a whole series, like, you know, 12 episodes to really dispel all of the myths <laughs> about pregnancy and birth. And you're not to that birth part yet. But uh, is there anything else that you're doing for postpartum? I Well, definitely a lot of reading, which, which you know, um, 
I think is is good and bad. I think you have to kind of figure out what sources are trustworthy because there's a whole lot of forums and a lot of like mixed information about um, what to expect or, you know, everyone has slightly different experiences and how to prepare. Um, but obviously, you know, taking a class with an experienced provider can be useful. I would say of all the classes I've taken, that was probably the only one that kind of had nothing nothing in it that sounded pleasant. <laughs> they talk about uh, obviously the, the different uh, phases of labor and what to expect and how to prepare. Um, but uh, it's more just about how, you know, how you want to uh, choose to manage pain and, you know, deep breathing exercises and uh, uh, positioning and those things to, you know, kind of speed along the labor and make it more likely that the, the baby will be in the proper position and, you know, all those types of things. So um, I would say making sure that you're, you're collecting that information and thinking about what that means for you after the fact, as far as what um, routine or products, things like that you might need. I don't exactly know, what I'm going to experience, you know, whether, you know, there is a need for, you know, I'm pl planning on a vaginal birth, but if there was something to go wrong and I went C-section, that would kind of change up my postpartum recovery a bit. Um, but I have prepared by kind of taking all the information I've collected and making myself like a little self-care package. Uh, so that could be anything from, you know, um, pads because, you know, depending on your experience, there could be a good bit of bleeding for up to six weeks post uh, delivery. Uh, so you got to make sure that you're taking care of, of yourself there, um, you know, different uh, sprays and washes and things like that to kind of help you with uh, uh, recovery of your, your downstairs area as you uh, kind of have to recover and heal uh, from all the stretching and possible tearing that might happen. Uh, not to scare you, hopefully, but uh, just, you know, these are some of the realities, um, but making sure that, you know, there are different uh, suggestions for things you can do, whether you put witch hazel on, on your on your pads to kind of give a refresh, you use a sits bath with Epsom salt to kind of soak in if you need to. I've had people tell me that they had difficulty sitting for up to two weeks post, so uh, maybe you want an inflatable donut that you can sit on. So, just you know, knowing what the potential outcomes might be and what you need to support yourself in that process is, I think, very important. I think if you could connect to someone who's kind of been there, done that, and can be kind of a support for you to kind of listen to you or to answer some of your questions would be helpful as well. But, you know, every experience is unique. So just kind of knowing what might make you feel more comfortable in that uh, time frame after delivery, I think that would be the the most important things to kind of assemble for for yourself for for taking care of your your well-being. Obviously, I'll add one last thing to that is also you know if you don't have um, a structure like I do with the the online app and the and the service that I mentioned before, uh, making sure you're talking to someone, uh, maybe doing a depression screener just to make sure that if you're feeling any which way um, about uh, you know maybe less than ideal, you know, emotions or, or things that you didn't expect to feel, difficulty connecting with your child, things like that, um, that you seek out support because that's not uncommon. And um, there's absolutely nothing uh, to be ashamed of or nothing wrong to um, 
to, to seek out the help that you would need if that was your experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to say, even if you have like the best support around you, there are so many hormonal changes and life changes and body changes and brain changes that, uh, I mean, I think that's a really, a really important piece of advice saying like, you know, eh, maybe you should really do some of these depression screeners. Maybe you should talk to somebody about your, your experiences. Um, and I also think it's important to not like fake it, not like fake and pretend that you're completely happier, that everything's perfect, right? This is a time where things are pretty unhappy and pretty not perfect. Like there can be a lot of joy and there can be happiness, but I think going into it with realistic expectations is important. And that's what this whole episode is about. I also want to like caution everybody. There are tens of thousands of these mommy blogs, and I'm sure a couple of them are good, but most of the time if you're in a mommy blog and it's structured in a way to make you look at a hundred ads and trying to get you to buy something about your pregnancy, that's most likely not a great source of information for you um, because their intent in those kind of pages is to get you to buy something. Um, and, and sure, there's lots of things that you can buy that can help with your pregnancy, but just be really careful when you're looking at, at that kind of information. Um, vet those kind of sources uh, and, and make sure that you're getting good quality information. Um, we need to take another short break, but we will be right back to close out our episode. I have a couple more questions. Thanks, Ashley. Be right back. All right, everybody. Um, so today uh, I'm talking with my friend, Ashley, who is currently in the thick of pregnancy and she's gotten a little thick, too, um, <laughs> talking about some of her experiences uh, and how it's really very different from what the world tells us about pregnancy. The whole thing from beginning to end does not map on to those experiences that we see in television and movies. Um, so uh, there are some other questions about, like, what is sex like while you're pregnant? How is your libido while you're pregnant? Um, so I'm just going to float those two, put them out there. You're welcome to say anything you'd like about them. I understand that they're kind of sensitive, personal questions as well. Um, but if you're interested in any thoughts about, uh, you know, what is sex like or what is your libido like while pregnant? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I will, out of respect for my partner, just kind of be general in making these comments. But um, for me, I mean, libido hasn't really changed up or down. I mean, it's, it's kind of stayed, you know, where it's always been. And uh, the only thing that kind of gets in the way from time to time. Obviously, if you're, you know, experiencing heartburn or nausea at a given time, that might get in the way of, of your, regardless of what your libido is, is doing at any given time. But uh, you're kind of trying to find your moments, right, uh, as best as you can. Um, but uh, that's, again, a variable experience for each person. Another thing that you get to read lots about on, on mommy uh, forums, things like that. And so everyone's all over the place. But but for me, it's not a, not been a change. It's just kind of navigating around symptoms. Um, we do know that uh, sex during pregnancy, as long as there's not some major counterindication, is completely safe. Um, a lot of women actually find that it helps them with cramps and helps them feel connected or helps them still feel sexy and beautiful when they feel like their body has betrayed them and there's this thing growing inside of them. <laughs> um, but like like uh, Ashley said, it is really different for everybody. Some women you know, have a big drop. And for other women, it's the horniest they've felt in their whole life. Um, once again, the media desexualizes women who are pregnant altogether, you know, it like kind of puts them on this little pedestal and pretends that they're non-sexual human beings when the entire thing going on is related to their sexuality as well. All right. Um, I have uh, a couple other questions for you. Um, 
So what do you think about gender reveal parties? Like you're at the point where like in a non-COVID world, you'd almost be expected to be having like, okay, listeners, baby showers are my least favorite shower of all. Like <laughs> they, they are so, I don't understand how they got to this point. I get invited to a lot of them. I go with a nice gift and I hope that there's cocktails on the side to distract me from like, the weird, like people will melt candy bars and put them in diapers and then you have to taste them to see what kind of, like it is weird mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but what are your <laughs> thoughts on gender re- gender reveal parties? And, and did you actually end up because of COVID, did you actually have one of these baby showers? So with COVID, I, 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 I am kind of a introvert, stay at home type of person. I've never myself been a fan of, of showers. I think that they are kind of cheesing whatnot, although I will be happy to do that to support someone that wants one. Uh, but for me, it's, it's a, it's a no go. And so with COVID, it was easy to use that as my excuse for, for not uh, proceeding with that. But as far as gender reveal parties, again, I don't like to, to say things in, in a way that's judging because I, I know that that would be, kind of one of the things that people talk about with, when you get pregnant, all of a sudden the, the, the expertise and wisdoms and advice are free-flowing from all directions. And so um, I don't want to force that on anyone. But for me, I would say, obviously, I look at it from a, well, it's not even gender, it's biological sex. So there's that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, uh, not for me, right? I, I'm going to love this child regardless of how they self-identify. And I don't uh, feel the need to kind of put labels on, on, on my child in a way that uh, will kind of lead them down a certain path of assumptions and stereotypes that kind of make me a little concerned knowing that I am having a child that has been identified as female. Um, uh, so that would be one of kind of my, my biggest concerns and things that I've had on my mind in, in making all types of decisions about how I want to raise this child, what I want to name this child even, you know, because there's a lot of research on even something as simple as the name that you give and what that might mean for how someone is treated down the road. You know, I even in purchasing things and preparing for uh, for arrival, you know, what to, what to clothing, what colors, what you know, nursery scheme, there's, you know, all these things that are assumed uh, once you give that label. And so, I'm more of a kind of let's see how things go and then keep it uh, more unisex and uh, kind of let uh, let my child guide me as as we kind of, you know, live our lives together. This is one of the reasons why I love um, Ashley Falcon. She's one of my favorite people in the universe because she was non-judgmental and described her thought processes. I'm going to tell you mine. Gender reveal parties are effing gross people. They are awful. <laughs> they start forest fires. They put these crazy expectations. Tiaras or tutus or football or whatever. It, like, let your kid live their life, find their own loves and hopes and dreams. I hate, I, I mean, you know, I'm a victim of like people trying to force me to man up and get into sports and be more manly, Andrew. And I mean, my whole life. And, and, and like, there are pictures of gender reveal parties when I'm a little kid too. Um, it just seems like so much expectation that we put on somebody who doesn't, who, who can't even communicate with the world on anything other than I'm hungry or I pooped. Like it's, 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 they're gross. Like have a, have a, have a baby shower. Um, I did have friends who had a gender reveal party and they invited me and they, uh, knew how I felt about them. Cause I'm quite vocal about it all the time. I'm like, Oh, gross. Um, and they did. And they cut the cake. And it was uh, all yellow and purple inside. And they said, who cares? And I was like, oh, that was the best gender reveal party ever. Because you know what? Yeah. 
<laughs> you gotta nice. love that kid regardless of gender. <laughs> just like Ashley said, like, you know, I'm gonna love it, love this person no matter what. Yeah. All right. So uh there were a whole bunch of questions about people touching you during your pregnancy, but with, with COVID going on, I I just I don't think that's even a fair question to ask you because most of my friends who have been pregnant uh, get touched all the time in public by people who like want to touch their belly and ask them questions like don't do that right like just just don't do that how would you feel if someone would have like come up to you and touched you Ashley I can't even imagine I mean I know that's a thing but with COVID yeah I've been fortunate enough to not have have that experience but yeah I just it's like personal boundaries and space and consent I just I can't imagine someone doing that but I know it's a thing and I know it's probably coming from a, a a place of good intentions and curiosity and, and love maybe even, but uh, yeah, no, 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 no matokas. Don't yeah, touch me. <laughs> no, no touchy touchy. Yeah. All right. So I only have two, fi- like, two final questions and I'll let you go. Thank you for spending the last 40 minutes with me. Um, what was your, f- uh, we'll start with like that. What was your least favorite thing about your pregnancy? Um, by far the, the, I'd say the symptoms that are associated with, with eating. All right. <laughs> so it's the, it's the, the smells that of food that you used to love, not being able to eat. And even like, I guess heartburn is one of the, like the, the eating diet stomach things too. Okay. What was your favorite thing? So that's what the, we're, we're going to end today. Um, what was your favorite thing about being pregnant? Say I love taking videos of my belly when when my child is active and I get all these. T- I've kind of like categorized the various movements into like six or seven different types of moves that are performed in a I love kind of getting that video for, you know, future to show Oh, the activity, but also, you know, that's something my, my family enjoys kind of, you know, looking at and categorizing. I think the most recent one I sent out, it was described as a conga, <laughs> a conga dance because of how, how the movement was going. I have never heard of anybody categorizing their baby movements. Um, now I am thrilled. I'm going to make a post about it on our social media at some point, not with your name in it. But um, uh, I think that's a really fun way to sort of say goodbye to this episode as well um so thank you for being here falcon um at the end of our episode we all we have a a, well we have either a period where spring tells a terrible dad joke and spring's not here so i don't have to suffer through a dad joke today um or uh we could or, or we have uh just the tip um so if you had one tip overall um, about expectations for pregnancy, what would it be? Um, do what feels comfortable to you as far as, you know, getting yourself to a place of comfort and confidence in uh, what's about to happen to you. Uh, and that, so whether that's, you know, you know, researching a ton or talking to a lot of people or just kind of taking a step in a, a step back in a deep breath and kind of watching things unfurl as they will. I mean, do what's right for you. That's really good advice. Um, my, my tip for today is, uh, so you've all heard me talk about how sex is kind of weird and messy and smelly and funny with funny sounds and funny faces. And I mean, I think that if people took pregnancy and made it like it's serious in that, you know, like there's health issues and you're growing another person. But if you can take a step back and look at kind of the absurdity of it and you can have like 
more fun with it. And if you can get rid of a lot of those negative societal expectations of what you know it's expected to be, and if you're honest about it, you'll probably have a much better experience with it as well. Um, I'll never be pregnant, so I'll never know. Uh, and I'm in a gay relationship with another uh, man, and we're not planning on having any kids. Uh, so for me, you know, like I'm one step removed. So for me, it's like these fascinated questions from the outside. Uh, but the thing that 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 I've seen happen the most is that you know women who feel like they should be you know glowing or happy or energetic or, or excited or feeling great you know end up really disappointed during their pregnancy and I think that carries over you know afterwards as well so I think setting yourself up with realistic expectations based on real pregnancies um, is probably one of the best things that you can do overall. But um, thank you again for coming and being with us uh, today, Ashley. Uh, I really appreciate all of your time, and I'm really excited uh, to see um, what happens next with you. Uh, listeners, if you have any questions or have any follow-up questions about today's show or any other questions about relationships, sexual health, love, anything else, I mean, really, we'll talk about anything, um, just let us know. You can... Uh, Email us, we're thesexrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. And you can find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too... Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.